Uh, one of the controversies of in the sports world this summer is the split in the golf world. There's now a new golf league, if you will, called Live, uh, and it's uh, backed by Saudi Arabia. This is uh, pointed uh, by many as being the most recent example of sports washing. Here to talk about sports washing, it's always a pleasure to welcome this character to our program, too, from Portland State University, where he is a professor of management and sports, is Professor Marvin Washington. Marvin, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. Always a treat to have you with us, Marvin. Sports washing. I found a definition. I'm going to roll it out on the radio for your comment. Okay, here's what I found. Uh, Sports washing relates to the concept of sport with all the good feeling it inspires used as a tool for diverting attention from social or environmental problems. Sports washing relates to the concept of soft power, which means exerting influence by a attracting rather than coercing others think diplomacy instead of military invention uh, intervention rather uh, you agree with that a, a, a tool for diverting attention from from problems that everyone knows the country has uh, totally I, the idea really does as many people have sort of uh, written and talked about this it goes back to the 36 olympics hosted by germany and so you can imagine that there is a dominant conversation that's been happening about Germany and what they stand for and what's happening in the 30s over in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so I need something to sort of recenter the conversation. I need something to sort of say, hey, you think one way, but that may not square or match with other images. The one way to do that is to come out and argue your side. Well, no one's going to listen to your side. Mm -hmm. So a more subtle way to do it is to connect with something that we don't argue with. Sports becomes that, right? We all are okay with seeing athletes compete, uh, participate, enjoy the love of the sport. And if I can subtly connect to that, how do I subtly do that? I host a sporting event. Right. And, and so now the images that you will see, the non-competition images, is of my gorgeous city. It's of me playing a wonderful host uh, in the long run, we think that might slowly move the opinion or it may slowly, you know, in some sense, recenter the conversation away from the obvious bad and atrocities that you associate me with. And so that's where you start seeing countries often that are embattled or embroiled in these uh, uh, negative portrayals right. from their side of the coin. Right. So I think you are unjustly portraying me. I'm associated with this sport. And over time, maybe you won't think of me as bad as you currently think about me. And so it's Hitler a held strategy. That's right. He had the 1936 Olympics in Berlin three years before yeah. World War II. His regime was already clearly established. Everyone knew what he was up to. But mm-hmm. you host an Olympics, and suddenly you're looking pretty legitimate in the eyes of the world as the host nation. That you was 1936, Marvin. China did it yeah. last year. Yes. Yes. Well, China, Russia... Uh, people think about Saudis, Qatar hosting, you know, these World, uh, Cup. World Cups or Olympics. So as a strategy, it's one that people have uh, have commented on. And maybe it's not the big event, but maybe it's uh, an, a, a sport, a speed racing event, NASCAR or FIFA or or something like that, if you will. Because in a sense, those events need countries to host them. Yep. And so you, the country. You pay enough money, you put, it, put together enough of a bid package, you'll get the right to host the games. 
in this international space. You know, it also does add to global <laughs> cynicism, Marvin, about groups like the International Olympic yes. Committee, which bestow yes. legitimacy on these host yes. countries for, of, in exchange for mega, mega billions of dollars, yeah. of course. But, you know, uh, it, it's no wonder, frankly, that a lot of humans are a little turned off the Olympics and those massive international sporting events because of the way they've been, nipu- been manipulated by host countries. It is such a, uh, a no-win situation. And what I mean by that is you have to start with the demands on what it would take to host an event like that. And so, unfortunately, we live in a world where there are lots of people that are going to target an event like that for evil. Sure. And so the demands from the, from the IOC, if you will, is that if you're going to host this, you have to be prepared to invest a lot of resources to have the games go off. Well, that already turns off lots of countries because they don't want to make the investment. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do the multiple years of engagement to make sure it goes off well. So then it sort of leaves you with, well, what kind of country is going to bid for the Olympics? The kind of country that wants to make the investment. And now the question is, for what reason you want to make the investment? So then no surprise, you end up with Russia, Saudi Arabia, China, uh, countries like that that are only invested in hosting because they have something to gain from hosting. Because we now know the tourism is not the big draw. Yeah, I mean, That used to be the draw that we used to talk about in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. But Sarajevo is a good example of that, that you don't get the tourism post the Olympics that you think you're going to get post the Olympics. So then why do you get invested in it? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're looking to repair your reputation. You're looking to say you're on the world stage. Uh, some people think the Saudi Arabias are trying to say maybe we're the Vegas of the world, host all your events here, because although you may not agree what we stand for, we can do a great game. We can do a great event. Right. And so you'll start saying, oh, okay, I don't necessarily agree with what they stand for, but they have enough money and enough resources to put on a great event. Well, no question about it. And Saudi Arabia, of course, is the is the player uh, that we're talking yes. about this morning because of this competitive yep. Yep. or rival golf league. Mm-hmm. Did it surprise you at all, Marvin, mm-hmm. the speed at which many prominent, big-name American golfers jumped at the chance to join this new Saudi league? And, and not, No, and the reason why not is because the money is just so over the top. Right. And that's usually what holds athletes back from jumping ship. And so you take the NBA, you take the Major League Baseball, you take the NFL. And so the NFL have had a lot of alternative leagues to come out. Mm-hmm. Yep. No alternative league is giving 3x what the NFL can pay. So, there's, so if you start with, I am a golfer, I have to not only play in this tournament, I didn't have to win the tournament to make $3 million. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, here comes the live tour, and they're saying, if you just show up, I'll give you $50 million. 50 versus three is mm-hmm. life-changing money. 50 versus three is, is generational-changing money for that golfer, because that golfer may not actually win the tournament, but they still get paid tons of money. Right. That's the game changer. And so the, now, the, the question and- is, how long is that going to last? Well, the Saudis have deep pockets. If it was you or I, we could pay that for about a year. XFL. Mm-hmm. We could pay that for about a year, all the challengers to what's happened in football recently or basketball recently. 
Saudis can pay that for a while. And because of their ability to sustain indefinitely the the bankrolling of this new league, do you think it's going to last, Marvin? Or is this kind of an anomaly that makes some golfers really wealthy, but also really, well, kind of icky in the minds of of a lot of their peers? Uh, So I wonder about lifespan or longevity with this. And this is the mystery, right? Because if I can take a half a step back, we've seen this before on a much smaller scale, and it didn't work. And it's a it's an example that people probably don't remember: the World Poker Tour. Okay. And so you got to go back to the beginning of poker on TV. Poker on TV was just crazy idea, but it worked because we could see the hold cards. So now I'm watching people. And I have all of these superstars, Phil Ivey, Daniel Negreanu. We know these names. Well, what happened overnight? Other poker players got involved, and those poker players were no longer winning tournaments. So what did they say? But we're the draw. We're the reason why you're watching right. poker. We should have a league where we get paid in appearance. Sounds familiar to the Live Tour. Mm-hmm. Well, what did, what did fans realize? I don't care who's winning. I just want to see somebody win. Well, once that happens... I'm not watching the PGA to see Dustin Johnson. I'm watching the PGA because I know they have great golfers. Right. Well, if the PGA can put on a tournament without Dustin Johnson, then why would I ever pay Dustin Johnson just to be at the tournament? That's what the Live Tour is struggling with. They're thinking that I'm only watching golf because of the superstar players. But they're only superstars because they're winning the tournaments. It was interesting. I don't know if the PGA needs them. Yeah, last week to put a tournament on at the U.S. Open, a couple of the players yeah. from the Live Tournament. Uh, yeah. I think the, the best they did was somebody who came in thirteenth. I was the closest exactly. to the top. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I said, I guess uh, Marvin, uh, we're almost out of time, but I guess mm-hmm. the thing that that I find uh, most um, uh, uncomfortable about all of this is how transparent it all is. Phil Mickelson, yeah. of course, has handled all of the questions and all the rest of it very badly. One of many, yeah. but I suppose there's a, there's a, a, despite the enormous sums of money involved. I don't think there are many people watching who don't completely understand that these guys are fronting for the Saudis. They're helping the Saudis to whitewash their reputation. And nobody is capable of doing that because we know what bad people the Saudis are. Yeah. And I think, and that's why it's not going to be so successful Uh because, because the only argument you have to why you're in this tournament is because of taking the money. And then the question is, who are you taking it from? I'm taking it from the Saudis. That's too straight line of an argument to you being a bad person. You can't sort of obfuscate that. You can't make that a much more nuanced, complicated argument than the PGA Tour, U.S. soil, is going to basically only pay me money if I win. Mm -hmm. I'm taking money from the Saudis just to show up. That might work in a one-tournament thing that happens once a year. But the PGA Tour, now other tournaments, I think it's the Scottish yeah, Open, right. yeah. is now saying, hey, you can't play in our tournament. They're making this really good, good guy, bad guy. They're making this a moral story. Are you in golf for the sport and the love of the game, or are you in golf to take money from whoever's going to pay from you? Interesting. I think the, that argument that you're only in golf for the money and you don't care who's giving you the money, that's a tough one to overcome. And I think that's not going to work. I think uh, uh, I'm in Portland. We have the next tournament. So the next tournament on the Live Tour is in Portland next weekend. People are already talking about boycott the tournament. People are already talking about boycott the golf course. 
So I think that that money from the Saudis may work, but the tournament, the tournament host, who's actually putting on the golf tournaments, they're going to realize this wasn't worth it for us. Interesting. The media attention was so negative that this one tournament actually made people less a fan of us than a fan of us. We're not going to host the next tournament. Wow. Interesting stuff. We'll keep an eye on that tournament next weekend. Marvin Washington, always a pleasure. We do appreciate it when you get up early on the weekends to jump in with us. It's always a treat to have you with us, and you do provide a degree of clarity on some of this stuff that's always welcome. Thanks. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Marvin Washington is a professor of management and sports at Portland State University. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.